welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hey, Diane. Hi, Jen. What's up? Oh, I mean, life's busy. Life's insane. But... Yeah, life's really insane for you. I know. It's nuts. I'm I'm moving to a new house, but like literally just down the road. (laughs) The house that we live in, when we bought it, we were two two people. And now we're a family of five people. And so it's like a three bedroom, one bathroom ranch that's on like the busiest road at the busiest intersection and offers us very little anymore. Like we bought it because it was like a commuter's dream and now we don't commute. There's just no reason to live here. So we found a place that's in a more secluded spot and a little bit bigger and has two and a half bathrooms. <laughs> oh my God. My what are you going to do with all over. those bathrooms? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. We could like almost all of us could go to the bathroom at the same time. It's amazing. I don't know. It's amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't imagine sharing one bathroom with five people, even with, even though they're little people. Yeah, no. Cause I mean, all three of them now are in there like constantly either one of them has to pee one of them has to poop or the other one who isn't peeing or pooping on the potty yet just wants to play in the water like it's just it's a nightmare (laughs) so so yeah i'm really looking forward to the extra bathrooms So aside from all the moving stuff you're doing, do you have a mom moment to share? I do. I have a great mom moment. So this is going to be my first creepy mom moment. Oh, oh my God. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, I was going to save it for Halloween, but it feels like really fresh in my mind. So I'm just like, I'm just going to tell it now. So the other day, Emma and Joey are going back and forth from their bedroom to our garage And they're bringing things from their bedroom to the garage, like dolls and books and like all kinds of stuff. And the garage is currently emptied out and just is like a staging area for getting rid of stuff. And so they're like bringing stuff out there. And after a few minutes, I was like, hey, guys, what are you doing? They were like, we're having a birthday party for John. I was like, excuse me? They were like, having a birthday party for John. And I was like, who's John? Oh, my God. Well, he's this man. And he lives under Joey's bed and he's invisible (gasps) because he wears camouflage. And yeah, we're having a birthday party for him because it's his birthday today. And I was like, okay, sounds good. So, (gasps) so like, (gasps) that's the beginning of the saga of John. Let me remind you, Diane, that the only John in their lives is my father who passed away two years ago. Right. And I don't know that they ever. Were introduced How would they to him know that his like, name was John? His name was yeah. Grandpa. So, like, I I don't know where they got John from, but this is this imaginary friend's name. He is a man. He's not a child or an animal. He's a man, and he lives under Joey's bed. And they cook him pretend food, and like give it to him under Joey's bed. And Joey occasionally wakes up overnight and is like, "John won't leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, I can't. This is." This is uh, creepy, Jen. So then today they were playing outside on the swing set in the backyard and Emma starts singing, I got a feeling somebody's watching me. I was like, (laughs) like, wait a minute, what? I don't, what? 
why are you singing that song? And she was like, I don't know. I just like it. And somebody's usually watching me. And I was like, okay. So then all of a sudden they're talking about John, which is, I assume, why she was singing the song. I also don't know how she heard this song because I don't ever recall listening to it when she was around, but she heard it somewhere. So she's now just singing the song over and over again. And at one point, Joey says to me, Mom, John's really bad. And I was like, what? And Emma went, no, Joey, he's not bad. He's good. He's just really creepy. (sighs) What in the world? So, yeah. I have goosebumps right now. I'm like, <laughs> this is free. Okay, so I have to ask, did you look under his bed? <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, it's a, it's a like, toddler crib bed. So it's, so like, no really room low to the it. ground. Yeah, Emma's bed, I'd be actually scared because that's a, a regular bed that's up at regular bed height. His is, like, three inches off the ground. So there's nobody under there. Unless, like, <laughs> John's flat Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they're obviously, like, talking to him when no one's there, right? Like, yeah. So it's... I. I wonder if John is going to follow you to the new house or if oh, he's going to stay in the old my house. My God, I hope he stays here. So <laughs> creepy. I just, so I, creepy. I'm, like, I'm going to have to get an exorcist. You're going to have to like sage the house before honestly, you move out. I will. It's crazy. We're going to have like renters here and be like, just watch out. There's a man named John who lives under the bed in the spare room. <laughs> Oh, it's so terrifying. It really just like made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Oh, okay. So how about you? <laughs> something something a little bit less horrifying? Well, mine is like, I usually try to have a positive one. Well, I don't know that it's negative, but when my daughter went to the doctor in June, she was a little bit what my doctor thought was underweight. And he was like, oh, you know, just try to feed her like some higher fat foods, and, you know, like you know, avocado and peanut butter and, you know, you know, stuff like that, um, you know, full fat yogurt. OK, so she's a picky eater. But not only that, but like even when I give her something she likes, she doesn't eat a lot. She just doesn't eat a lot. And she also literally, Jen, never stops moving from the moment she wakes up until the moment she goes to sleep. And she'll graze all day, like little bits. It's not like she's not eating at all. Like, like I'll kind of follow her around with things and she'll like, she'll grab some puffs. She'll grab like, you know, a a granola bar. She'll grab a pouch. But like, she never, she doesn't like to sit for a meal. She just, she gets bored. She's a baby. Mm -hmm. Never stops moving. She's got like the end. She's definitely got Chuck's energy. Yeah. Not mine. (laughs) So she went back for her appointment in July and she had grown an inch, but she had gained less than a pound. Oh my gosh. And the doctor was really concerned. Oh. Mind you, in that month, she had begun walking. Mm-hmm. So I know that when they start walking, they drop weight. But anyway, it made me feel like a really bad mom. Oh, no. And I was like, she's underweight and she's malnourished and I can't get her to eat anymore. I'm not going to force feed her and I'm not going to make food like a stressful situation. No, you shouldn't make it stressful. But also, is there any reason to think she's actually malnourished? No, it was just me. Okay. Yeah. So there's no, she's not malnourished. She's fine. I think you're Yeah. Okay. And I think it's okay. She's been, she just started walking, right? Like two weeks before her appointment. Mm-hmm. She's been teething like crazy. She popped four teeth at once. Oh gosh. So I She probably I doesn't like, want to touch food. Her mouth probably hurts. I know. Poor so thing. I've been, I've been like following her around with pouches constantly to get her to like eat something. And she's, she's been a lot better the past few days, but um, it's just been something that's been weighing on my mind sure, like, sure. a lot. Of course. And so I just wanted to like get it, get it yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> 
I'm so excited to hear about what we're gonna what we're gonna discuss today. Hit me with your topic. I'm going to tell you about the history of maternity clothes. <gasps> maternity clothes? I'm so excited. I just got rid of my last maternity clothes. <laughs> uh-huh. That's exciting. So Jen, what would you say you spent on pregnancy clothes for your first pregnancy? My first pregnancy. Okay. Because I feel like that's the one where maybe people would like, you know. Yeah, I didn't I didn't spend anything the second two pregnancies. Let's see. I remember buying maybe like half dozen shirts and dresses. I didn't buy any pants. I just wore like yoga pants. I don't know. Maybe like, I mean, it wasn't a lot. It was maybe like $200. Okay. Like I didn't go crazy. I didn't get a whole wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably spent, because I actually got a huge bag of clothing. Um, Actually, a shout out to our sister-in-law, Stephanie. She got me a large bag of, of clothing on Facebook Marketplace, just like gently used. Mm-hmm. That really took me through most of my pregnancy. But there were a couple of like nice dresses I had to get for performances. And then I got a couple pairs of jeans because um, I usually wear jeans to teach and um, like some, you know, some extra tops. So I probably spent probably like you, maybe like well, maybe closer to 300 with like the nice dresses that I had to get. Mm-hmm. Fortune estimates that women spend on average $500 on maternity clothes per pregnancy. <gasps> per pregnancy. My mm-hmm. Lord. Wow. When was that? When was that from? Do you know? That was from an article that was from 2018. Oh, wow. So it's recent. Okay. Very recent. Because I was going to mm-hmm. say, like, Facebook Marketplace feels like I, I see nothing but baby clothes and maternity clothes and, like, all the time because people are like, I wore this once. Take it. <laughs> so. Right. Wow. I think it depends maybe on – well, and this – I'll talk about this as we go through it, but it depends upon what your income level is and the wealthier you are – the whole idea of having a quote pretty pregnancy and wanting yourself to feel just how you felt before your pregnancy. And a lot of times people will spend a lot of money on a full new wardrobe to feel that way. So we will tap into that a little bit. Yes. This is very interesting because this, I don't think this was my experience. So <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't mine either, but, and, and the woman who wrote this article, it was a great article. Uh, I think it was Vox. Mm. Okay, but she was saying how it's it was not her experience, but she was interviewing some of the like small like online boutiquey kind of maternity brands. Yeah, and from talking to them, it seems like their clientele had no problem buying like a two hundred dollar maternity top that they might only wear for five months. You know? Oh my goodness! But we will we will get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Excellent. (laughs) We are going to go way way back to the Middle Ages in Europe. All right, let's get started. So, women's everyday clothing in the Middle Ages was usually full enough to accommodate a growing belly. It was like really large, like billowing dresses. So. There really was no maternity wear. It was basically just wearing the clothes you had and trying to conceal your pregnancy for as long as possible, which is going to come up a lot. Oh, geez. Yeah. I want to preface this with maternity style through the 1900s was only for the wealthy. Working class, regular, poor women basically just wore like oversized sacks because they couldn't afford anything else. Oh. So everything I talk about up until like the 1900s is for rich people. Okay. <laughs> Mid 1300s to 1400s, I wrote in my notes, hide your bump, you dirty pregnant lady. Oh. 
<laughs> because heavy materials like velvet became really popular to better conceal your growing belly. Lace-up panels that could be loosened were popular. And aprons, aprons, aprons to cover that belly. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so could see that you were pregnant. Pregnancy was considered, it would make men think about sex because that's how you get a baby. And so, you know, it was your job to keep your pregnancy under wraps for as long as possible. And then when you couldn't keep it under wraps any longer, you were expected to stay shut up in your house. (gasps) Imagine. Poor ladies. I feel very badly for them. I mean, not only did they have like none of the modern conveniences of, you know, giving birth and lovely epidurals, but then they had to like hide in their houses while they were huge. Jeez. So then we get to the 1500s. Overcoats became all the rage. There was not much emphasis placed on dressing pregnant women during this time period, because like I said, once they got to a certain stage of pregnancy, they were just staying at home in like a robe. (laughs) But at the end of the 1500s, we get our first maternity gown, which was called the Adrian. And it featured, what do you think it featured, Jen? What is like the quintessential maternity style of dress that is still popular today is it just the style where like it it cinches underneath your bust ampere waist yeah so the ampere waist is that very high um waistline right under your bust that cinches in and then flows out freely underneath ah nice okay so this is just like this is the style this is how we dress our pregnant bodies got it And you will come to find, as I go through this, that not much has changed in maternity wear from the 1500s to now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the 1600s, um, the Adrian was like such a hit that they kept using it. They loved it even into the 1600s. But a bib was added to the top so that once you had the baby, it would make breastfeeding easier. Oh, how kind. (laughs) Yeah, right? So nice of them. In the 1700s to 1800s, this is where we get the fun corset. What? The maternity corset. So <laughs> Pat, our, our old friend Pat from, from your episode, uh-huh. she was not, you know, she, she didn't have that idea in a bubble. She actually got that idea from the 1800s where corsets were actually encouraged by doctors. Goodness. For what purpose? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the the Gossard maternity corset was like the main popular corset of the day. And their slogan was better babies. Because the company convinced women that wearing the corset was a form of exercise. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And exercise is important when you're pregnant, but you can't be have too strenuous of exercise. So wear this corset where you won't really be able to breathe. It's kind of like exercise. Oh, my word. I know. Isn't that nuts? Jeez. Oh. <laughs> I could not imagine putting on a corset with boning while I was pregnant. Yeah, I can't imagine doing anything restrictive while being pregnant. That no. like I just feel like I'd be mad all the time. I'd be angry at everyone. So, in the early 1900s, that stupid maternity corset is still hanging around. People are still using it. And the ampere waist is back. And it just does not quit up until present day. <laughs> yeah, I had lots of those. <laughs> tons, tons. I had my my dresses, my formal dresses were on pure waist. Some of my shirts with a little like bow you could tie, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in 1904, Lane Bryant bursts onto the scene. Did you know that Lane Bryant started out in the maternity industry, not in the plus size industry? So I didn't know Lane Bryant had been around for that long. I thought she was alive today. <laughs> I don't even know if she's a person. <laughs> I Yeah, it could be a man for all we know. 
no idea. I mean, if they were selling maternity corsets, I'd like to hope it was a man. Let's see. Lane Bryant. Oh, well, obviously, if I Google it, it's just going to give me, like, the nearest location. Lane Bryant person. Person? Founder? The company began in 1904 with maternity designs created by Lena Himmelstein Bryant Malson. Wow. Well, Lane Bryant is much easier to say. So Lena is, so Lena is L-E-N-A. So maybe they just went Lane. Maybe they figured no one would buy it if it had a female's name on it. <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah. Founder Lena Himmelstein. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? I had no idea that they were the first maternity brand. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Wow. So they came out with this adjustable drawstring waist dress that was designed to grow with your changing body. So you could get it in like your, you know, first or second trimester and just keep, you know, adjusting the drawstring as got bigger, which actually sounds kind of nice. Yes, that's pretty. Yeah, that's like what we do now. It's great. So then in the 1920s, we get some more relaxed styles. You know, when you think of flappers, that makes sense. You get the draped silhouettes, the drop waist dresses, belts. Everything looks more comfortable and looser, and the corsets seem to, like, take a hike for a little while. <laughs> Until Pat. <laughs> Until Pat. Oh, don't worry. I think they come back before that. But oh, geez. I love this. This is – I read this, and I, I had to put it in. There was an ad in Good Housekeeping in 1923 that said – be entirely free from the embarrassment of noticeable appearance during a trying period. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my word. We are all the way in the 1920s, and they're still saying, we understand how embarrassing it is to be pregnant. You better hide that. It's amazing because I feel like that means that it's a completely modern thing to celebrate pregnancy, like in any way. We're going to get to that, but oh, yes. Oh, my word, Diane. Mm -hmm. Isn't that like mind-boggling? It is. We don't actually get to a place where pregnancy starts to be celebrated until the age of like Jackie Kennedy and, well, let's get there. Let's get there right now. So in the 1930s to the 1940s, we get the page boy. And the page boy had a patented scooped out skirt that tried to remedy the issue of a higher hemline in the front from like a growing bump. Mm -hmm. So they would literally just like remove the panel of fabric that would be over your belly mm -hmm. and it would sit underneath so that you could just like your belly could grow and grow. And then they would pair it with a long jacket over it so that you wouldn't see the scooped out part. Oh. And their slogan was, have a pretty pregnancy. Oh. Yeah. I know. It makes <laughs> you like want to vomit in your mouth a little bit. <laughs> But eventually, Page Boy was bought by Mother's Work, which was later renamed to Destination Maternity, which owns Pee in a Pod and Motherhood Maternity. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Diane! The few things that I bought were from those companies. The few things I buy, I have mostly Motherhood Maternity and then a couple Pee in a Pod things because they were pretty cheap. Yeah, they're great. They're very affordable. And most of them were quite cute. And all of the hand-me-down stuff I got were, were those two brands. Me too. The stuff I got on Facebook Marketplace was all like pee in a pod and stuff. So still popular today. Yeah. 
the styles that were popular at the time, aside from the page boy, were capes and oversized bows that tried to conceal your bump as long as possible. Separates actually finally became popular. So like, you know, a long jacket paired with a skirt, baggier and more, quote, modest fashions came back and uh, button down wrap and silhouettes became popular. So that's still popular, like a wrap dress when you're pregnant. Yeah. Mm hmm. So that is introduced in the 40s. And then in the 50s, finally, pants. Pants. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Pants. They finally are allowed to wear pants. <laughs> wow. Goodness. So in the 50s, we have our first celebrity who openly displays her baby bump on screen in 1952. And it's Lucille Ball. Oh, Lucy, you're the best. Oh, my goodness. What a kook. <laughs> I know. And so she made women feel like it was okay to maybe not necessarily like flaunt it yet, but to at least like let people know that you're pregnant. I think what's so fascinating about that show is that it was sort of like this like voyeuristic show where you like really looking into the very private lives of two people. Oh, yeah. And so it would make sense that you'd see things that you wouldn't normally see that were a little bit taboo. And so it, I feel like Lucy had a couple of things that were like, you'd never seen that on TV before. Didn't they have the first uh, bed that the husband and wife were in together? Yes, I think you're right. So like they were always up ahead of the game. She was a pioneer. She was great. She was. If you Google pictures of Lucille Ball when she was pregnant, she has the, what I think is like the really iconic look from like the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. which were those like, smock tops that almost look like like a tent yeah and then they were put over like form-fitting like capris or a skirt so it was like people obviously know you're pregnant because this is like a giant top but it was not like hugging your body it was still like a big baggy bag tent <laughs> it, yeah you were like hiding inside of a tent <laughs> right so it was okay to, to let people know you were pregnant but it wasn't okay to like accentuate those parts of your body. Mm -hmm. So in the 60s, we get Jackie Kennedy. She wore a lot of shift dresses and boxy separates. So things were still boxy and tent-like. 1960s is when women begin to buy maternity clothes for different stages of their pregnancy, depending on how big they were. And this is when we get the still popular baby doll dresses, which are like an ampere waist dress, but short. Yes. Yeah, I had a bunch of those. Yeah. They're cute. They're great. So 1970s is huge because in 1978... The Pregnancy Discrimination Act is finally passed, which barred employers from wrongfully firing pregnant women. Jeez. <laughs> right? 1978. Gee whiz. Ugh. So they finally didn't have to really conceal their pregnancies so much for fear of being fired. Mm -hmm. So they could actually buy like maternity clothes and wear them to work and not be afraid of losing their jobs. Oh, my so goodness. So maternity wear becomes a little more like personalized and maxi dresses come into style also like super short dresses become acceptable and then the advent of like workwear but pregnancy workwear yeah so uh in the 1980s everything as we know was extreme yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um extreme prints extreme patterns i mean there was extreme drug use in the 80s hopefully not for the pregnant people but everything was extreme in the 80s including extremely shapeless clothing Oh, my gosh. So do you remember what Princess Diana wore when she was pregnant? Uh, no, but I'm about to search it. <laughs> they were literally like these giant baggy sacks of dresses. And they were in pretty colors. and They had pretty patterns, but they were just like sacks. 
Let's see. Let's take a look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sacks. Yeah. Like, just, no shape. Just giant sacks. She whiz. These look like things you'd wear to bed. <laughs> There's one where she's like, it looks like almost like she's wearing a nightgown. Yeah. And then she like threw on a necklace and she was like, this is acceptable. <laughs> yes, exactly. It doesn't look like she's wearing a bra. Like, she's just like, screw it. <laughs> Princess Diana. She's like, I, right? <laughs> it's so funny. And so when I looked at I looked up a bunch of pictures of her pregnant and I was like, yeah, this is like the epitome of just like a shapeless bag. Mm -hmm. So she kind of informs a little bit of pregnancy style because more and more as we get through the ages, we're obviously looking towards celebrities to influence our style, mm -hmm. maternity and non-maternity. And workplace attire becomes even more important because women are entering the workforce. And then in 1988, Juicy Couture launches their line of maternity denim called the Travis Jean. And this was the first maternity jean ever made. So it offered women a way to be like more stylish during pregnancy. We finally get to the 1990s where we start to become like celebrity obsessed. We get the gossip magazines. And so subsequently we are obsessed with their fashion. In 1991, which I don't remember this because I was two, Demi Moore poses nude while pregnant on the cover of Vanity Fair. I remember that because I was seven. <laughs> wow, do you really? Yeah, I totally remember that. It was like a big thing, apparently. It was a huge thing. So that is the like catalyst for like the whole celebrating the bump that we have today. Oh, so way to go, Demi. <gasps> oh my goodness, lover. Celebrities begin to like show off their bumps instead of concealing them, and women obviously, you know, take their fashion cues from celebrities. Okay, so that brings us to the 2000s, where we accentuate the bump. We do not hide it. We celebrate it. Mm -hmm. Women begin to wear much more form-fitting and even belly-bearing clothing. So think like, you know, stretchy bodycon dresses mm -hmm. and crop tops. Yep. Which Kim Kardashian made quite popular in her pregnancies. The Ampere Waist baby doll dresses make a comeback for formal styles. Graphic t-shirts highlighting pregnancy come into fashion, like, you know, baby on board or, you know, Basically, anything goes, but many of the popular maternity styles are just recycled versions of styles from previous decades. So those styles include ampere waists, ruffles and ruching, oversized clothes, buttons, it's like button downs. <laughs> All the buttons. All the buttons in the world. <laughs> Belted or tie waists, wrap dresses, baby doll dresses, overcoats. Um, so many of these things date back to the 1500s and 1600s, and we still wear them today. Oh, my goodness. The big thing now, today, <laughs> is that um, maternity wear that can be used after pregnancy has become a big priority. Because when women do spend a lot of money on maternity clothes, they don't want to just wear them for a few months. They want pieces that they can wear after pregnancy that will that will last like in a normal wardrobe. Yes. So many of the like high-end boutique maternity brands like Hatch or Pink Blush pop up online. They become highly successful. They can charge more for their maternity clothes, but they tout them as for before, during, and after mm. pregnancy. Okay. And they show you how you can wear them like in different times and in different styles. And they start to make maternity clothes that look more like regular clothes and sort of get away from the ampere waist, the ruching on the sides, you know, like all those basic maternity fashions that you see at like a motherhood maternity. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any of the fancy, fancy 
wear it at all different times of your life, pregnancy clothes, but there are certainly pieces that I bought or I obtained while pregnant for pregnancy that I totally still wear today. Yeah. And so I think that getting back to what we were talking about in the beginning, women are spending more money on maternity wear because they know that they can keep some of these pieces in their wardrobe, even when they're not pregnant. And it's trying to sort of buck the trend of fast fashion, which is very popular right now, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like Forever 21 and, you know, all those kinds of like cheaply made, Mm -hmm. like very in in season clothing that's meant to only be worn for one season. Mm -hmm. These boutique maternity brands are trying to say we're more expensive, but we're using high quality materials and you'll be able to wear it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, you also have the the fast fashion brands making maternity stuff as well. And it's a lot cheaper. So it kind of depends on, you know, what you're willing to spend and what you're looking for. But more and more of these boutique brands are popping up online. And then of of course, we can't, we can't talk about maternity fashion and fashion today without talking about the Instagram effect. (laughs) Right? So women are under more pressure now than ever before to have a quote, pretty pregnancy and to make pregnancy look perfect and not show any of the uncomfortable side effects or the stretch marks or, you know, any of that stuff. So the new maternity brands are kind of playing off of that saying like, Oh, don't you want to look pretty during your pregnancy here? You know, you can take these great Instagram photos wearing our, you know, whatever top. So that definitely plays a role in putting pressure on pregnant women nowadays to kind of look their best quote unquote all the time, which is hard to do. It's very hard to do. I would say that's impossible to do. (laughs) Yep. There's an unrealistic expectation. I agree. But I I definitely remember feeling that pressure, like, especially when I was going out with like my friends who weren't pregnant, like if we were going out for the night or something for dinner, yeah, would look in my closet and be like, what fits me? Yeah, I can't tell you what a colossal relief it was. After my first pregnancy, I, I then had like friends who had been pregnant or friends who were pregnant. And when I went out with them, I could just like, wear whatever and not put on makeup and just be like my uncomfortable hormonal self and they were just like yeah I feel that and it was just great (laughs) oh so much better than trying real hard (laughs) that sounds nice I'm the first one of any of my close friends um to have a baby I do have one close friend who had a baby like a month after me but um but a lot of my friends have not had children yet and they never make no one makes me feel like I have to dress up I put it the pressure on myself but yeah but yeah you want to you you you're sort of like well the people who I'm going to be spending time with haven't experienced this yet and so their expectation is for me to be how I've always been they don't expect right. me to be any different because you know they they don't know how different you are when you <laughs> so different. I know mean, yep. it's, it's insane. It's like you're a different person. Yes. So I'm just going to close out now with a couple of quick facts. Maternity wear as a market is a two billion dollar industry, and Destination Maternity, which remember owns Motherhood Maternity and Pee in a Pod, constitutes almost 19 percent of that two billion dollar industry. Wow. Yep. But even with women spending on average five hundred dollars on clothes per pregnancy maternity brands are struggling. And of course, I mean, in true fashion, it's always our fault, Jen, as women. Um, they are blaming failing, uh, falling birth rates and women waiting to have children on why the maternity industry is struggling. Oh, geez. I say maybe it's because 
like you and I, we were getting used clothes. Yeah. You know, we were getting you know, secondhand stuff that we knew we weren't going to wear very long or, you know, whatever it is, or we just got a couple of key pieces. If you think about the structure of like the socioeconomic ladder in the world today, in America today, like the majority of people are at our spot or lower, like for sure. And if folks in our general area of the economic ladder are buying stuff used, most of the people lower are also going to buy stuff used because they can't afford to spend $500 on maternity clothes for every pregnancy. Most of the money that's being spent on maternity clothes is probably like up towards the top. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they get rid of their clothes and give them to like some sort of secondhand shop and then we buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> so. And they're, they're still great because they've barely been worn. I know. Everything I ever got for maternity clothes was in great shape. Like the only things I ever got that were like truly used were when friends of mine gave me like hand-me-down nursing tops but like that's because you nurse in them (laughs) oh my nursing tops have definitely seen better days but yeah Yeah. (laughs) but all like my truly pregnancy stuff looks like brand new I know and and the other thing is that like depending on what time of the year it is you know I wasn't big pregnant during any cold months ever for all three of my pregnancies so that really helped. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God, I was. Yeah. It's – I had to buy a winter coat. Yeah, I did not. Although, in, you know, going back to what we were saying about things you can wear after, my father gifted me for Christmas this awesome coat. And it was – it's a normal coat, but it has a panel that zips into the front that you can wear when you are pregnant and then – when you have your baby, you take that panel and you flip it around and it's a little bit wider on one side and you can wear your baby in a carrier. Oh my God, inside your father. The I know. Oh my goodness. And then you can take it out when you're, you know, when you don't need it anymore yeah. and it's just a regular winter coat. That's wild. I have recommended that coat to many a pregnant person that yeah. I know because it's, it's so, so handy. And I, I wore it when I was pregnant. I wore it after she was born. It's great. Jeez, that's amazing. And I, got, and I think he got it at motherhood maternity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. That sounds like a, jeez, that's great. <laughs> yes, right? So that is the history. I hope I tried to cram a lot in, so I hope I didn't talk too fast. But that is the history of maternity clothes. Well, bravo. Excellent work. Thank you, Thank you very much. If you have any interesting stories about pregnancy clothes, maternity wear, interesting things that you found to wear during pregnancy that really helped you or that you just couldn't get the hang of, you can send us an email at opdwpodcasts at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. We are at opdwpodcast just about everywhere online. And yeah, you can share mom moments and dad moments. And any any moment, be it creepy or otherwise. <laughs> yeah. If you have if you are if you were pregnant in a different time and you have photos <gasps> that you would like to share with us. Oh my goodness. We would love your, to see them. Yes. Share your pregnancy photos. We wanna see them. I wanna I wanna give a shout out to Theo Rosenberg for our music. So thank you, Theo. Thanks, Theo. All right, Diane, until next time. Be entirely free from the embarrassment of noticeable appearance during a trying period.